Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who's feeling a little bit rough from the Dutch chocolate vodka he had last night. He was drunk in the market square at three this morning singing King of the Road. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm okay. I am a wee bit rough, um, but not from drinking Dutch chocolate flavoured vodka, but from drinking rum uh, yeah. last night. Yeah, you were drinking, drinking straight rum last yeah. night because we had a little Zoom call did, and yeah. you were uh, you were drinking Jamaican rum. So are you, you feeling a bit rough today? No, no, I, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm fine, really. I'm, I'm drinking this, uh, this uh, German beer, which is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, taking all the pain away. Uh, no, I was fine. I just had a bit of a sore head when I woke up this morning, but I was able to get up and and accomplish things. Um, yeah, because obviously we were talking last night with our mutual friend, uh, who's got perhaps the youngest father, or the youngest man ever, <laughs> ever a father, a child, um, and. Um, yeah, we were talking just before you came on because uh, my daughters and I watched Big last night with my wife. Oh, yeah. So we were, um, and uh, he was contemplating watching it with his sons, who are a good bit younger than my two girls. And it is, and I cautioned them on the, I cautioned them on the uh, the Josh and Susan uh, breast touch scene because it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a wee bit awkward, and I got it mixed up with the Forrest Gump sort of sex scenes. You know the scene in Forrest Gump when he he's waiting in the rain for Jenny, and she takes him into her, like halls of residence, mm. and they start. Mm-hmm. They start got a wee bit romantic, and then he evident mm-hmm. he evidently shoots his shoots his load before. So I was mixing that scene up with Beg. I thought that was what I thought that's what was going to happen because I hadn't seen it for years and years and years, and I thought that's yeah. was going to happen uh, for the. Um, the Elizabeth Perkins breast touch. I thought, oh, he's gonna. That's gonna be really uncomfortable to watch with my daughters when that happens. But fortunately, I <laughs> I had confused my my uh, Hanks performances. So <laughs> it was. I mean, it, it was. It was still a bit uncomfortable. Um, but it but it would be a lot worse if uh, if he'd like shot in, into his nineteen eighties chinos. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It would have been a little bit more uncomfortable yeah. than that. For, for him as well as for you. Oh, yeah. Well, for all concerned. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, how did Big go down? Did you enjoy it? I, I, do you know what? I really enjoyed it. I remember Big was one of those movies I remember taping off the TV when it was on like in the early 90s and watching it until I'd sort of worn the tape out, really. Um, yeah. And I, no, I really, really liked it. Uh, the, the kids really enjoyed it as well. But that was, like I say, that, oh, that, that was the first time that I've watched it maybe in 20 years or more it's funny because you'd mentioned yesterday that you were watching it mm. and i funnily enough i was on social media last night and then i saw the a trailer for the new shazam film and i was like shazam's kind of like the superhero version of big mm, in a way yeah kind of yeah super big yeah. um yeah yeah it sort of is i mean i i, we, I, I did like the first shazam i quite enjoyed it um mm. yeah the, so did I. the second one looks like it's going to be sort of more of the same, but with with Helen Mirren in it and Lucy Liu. Mm. So I'm not I'm not like that excited about seeing it. Um, but uh, we, we probably will because my kids liked it. So there's probably one mm-hmm. that will be, and my wife liked it as well. So it's probably one that we'll go and see at the cinema. Very good. So um, you watched uh, Train Spotting with your daughter on the last episode, <laughs> and you've watched Big on this one. Yeah. What are you going to pick next? <laughs> <for>? <laughs> 
father-daughter movie club. I don't know. I mean, well, we watched Big as a family last night. Like, uh, my wife hadn't seen it for a long time too. Um, I was surprised how short it was. It's only like an hour and 40 minutes, Big. It's like... That's when films were proper films, though. Yeah. They were only about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. But like, a lot happens in that hour. Because like, they don't waste... Like, no time is wasted, really, in establishing Josh as a character before he makes his wish and becomes Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? It's it's like all that happens within about the first 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> it's, really, it's really fast. There's like no fucking about. <laughs> I mean, do you think if they remade Big nowadays in a Scottish version, I mean, the first thing he's going to do is go straight to the pub, isn't it? Yeah. He'll be, yeah, he'll be and, buying and booze the, for all his and pals. The bookies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Straight to the pub, straight to the bookies, <laughs> off to um, the corner shop to buy Razzle. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't need that, obviously, got the internet nowadays. But yeah, um, yeah that would be the, the first thing he would be doing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Getting into a fight with kids, battering them. <laughs> yeah. He would, like, he, would be, he would be seeking out his bully and beating the absolute living shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Ending up, ending up getting taken to prison. <laughs> oh, I'd like to see that actually. A Scottish version of Big nowadays. Mm, yeah, that'd be good actually. Yeah, very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you been up to anything else exciting? No, not really. Just uh, touring the Middle East, uh, Kuwait one week, KSA the other week, and then Doha this week um so all my travels um all my travels are done for a few weeks i'm looking forward to sleeping in my own bed so yeah. oh nice yeah wonderful okay well shall we have a look at what's been happening in scotland over the last couple of weeks cue the jingle <laughs> hello this is the outer hebrides broadcasting corporation and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg. Uh, now, actually, before we talk about the news, we need to discuss something that we talked about on the last episode of the Swally. It's not news as such, but I had said when we looked at Looking After Jojo, which is um, available wherever you get your podcasts, that the, the actress Aileen Mowat was, I was like, she's hardly been in anything, but she seems like she's been around forever. Yeah. And you said, I think she was in like a, an advert for something mm-hmm. in Scotland. I was like, that does ring a bell. So yes, of course, I looked it up. Yes, she was in the Scottish mm-hmm. Blend adverts for about <laughs> fucking 12 years. So that's how I know her. She was the woman that ran, it was like Fiona's Cafe right. or something. So um, yeah, she was she was in the Scottish Blend adverts for all those years. That's why she's so familiar. Yeah. It's not from Bad Boys starring Freddie Bordley, Carl Hammond and Alex Norton. <laughs> yeah. Selling lovely cups of tea one week and injecting heroin between our toes the next week on BBC Two. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, glad we cleared that up. But this is the news. So what have you seen in Scotland this week, Greg, that you'd like to share with me and our listeners? Right, well, not to cause you some pain, uh, because obviously you're a staunch Aberdeen fan, but this story is from the 23rd of January. It's the run-up to uh, Darville FC's glamour Scottish Cup tie with Aberdeen. The uh, the small west of Scotland team were hoping to pull off uh, one of the biggest shocks in the history of the Cup um, against Aberdeen. Um, so the their boss Mick Kennedy uh, was hoping to motivate the players ahead of the fourth round tie as they prepared for like, the biggest game in the club's history. But the club received uh, some inspiration from young supporters. So kids at Darvo Primary School have been sending in like, nice cards with messages of encouragement for the players. 
So whilst most of the cards have things like, you've got this, and best of luck, one cheeky wee boy called Jacob had other ideas. He wrote in his one, to Darvel FC, <laughs> to Darvel FC, fly kick Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> From Jacob. The club posted a picture on their of the card on their Facebook page and said, uh, we're not sure the referee will allow us to fly kick. <laughs> Aberdeen players, Jacob. <laughs> but we'll do our best to win the game for you. There's a wee picture of the card here um, from Jacob there. And then an- another confident fan called Ben said, come on, Darvo, you can smash Aberdeen 10-0. Um, yeah. So not. I don't, it's a bit of a short one. I didn't mean to cause you any pain, but I just thought that uh, that was quite funny. Like fly kick oh, Aberdeen. fucking hilarious, Greg. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> really appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm happy for the young supporters <laughs> that they got to see the greatest victory in their team's history, yeah. effectively, um, by by beating Aberdeen and knocking them out of the Scottish Cup. Um, yeah, I, I didn't watch the game because I genuinely, I thought, oh, fuck, I'm not watching us fucking playing Darville. Obviously, we're going to fucking smash them. Oh, Jesus, how wrong could I be? So, yes, we lost 1-0. Um, probably the worst result in our, our history. Mm. Um, calls for the manager to be sacked after that, which he should have been because he'd been in a very long run. As we're recording this episode, we're playing Hibs this afternoon and... I think he's basically been told if you lose this, you're you're fucked. Um, so I don't know. Um, in fact, because Hibbs manager is also on a, a sugarly peg. Yeah. So um, this the game today has been dubbed El Sacchio <laughs> in terms of whoever loses is going to get the sack. I'll, but, um, I'll bet the I'll, I'll bet the atmosphere will be fucking great though at Easter Road, like, yeah. like for for both sets of fans. Do you know what I mean? The Hibs fans and I, I bet I bet it'll be a great day out for like both sets of fans. I think it's going to cancel each other out though, because I think the Hibs fans are going to be booing the Hibs team and the Aberdeen fans are booing the Aberdeen team. No one's going to know what the fuck's going on. So I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know where I stand on this because. Uh, our manager is a, a stubborn bastard and I, I genuinely can't decide if he just needs a little bit more time to, to turn things around or if I want to be blasting sunshine on Leith today and <laughs> supporting hips. <laughs> you know, genuinely not sure where my loyalties lie. I mean, obviously, if we win, I'm going to be delighted. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if we lose, I'm also going to probably be quite chuffed. <laughs> so we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, that was lovely. But that, that that's good because remember, that's um, it's nice to hear in terms of kids supporting you know yeah our very local team in terms of darville so they're not rangers or celtic fans yeah, it's, yeah. it's really nice to hear that and okay i don't agree with fly kicking aberdeen <laughs> but i think it's a it's a nice little thing to see of kids supporting their local yeah, teams for sure do you think um you said a few moments ago it's one of the biggest um uh upsets in scottish cup history but i, I don't know is it is it bigger than is it bigger than um, Callie Thistle beating Celtic back when John Barnes was yeah. the manager? Yeah, massively bigger, yeah. Is it? Cause they, cause, Hugely bigger. Because they, they, they were semi-pro back then, though, Callie Thistle, weren't they? Yeah, but they were still in the league. Darvel are about fucking four divisions <laughs> below the actual even getting into the league. Right. Like it's Yeah, no, it is the biggest upset it's in like, Scottish Cup history. Like one league up from, like, Sunday pub football. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So, yeah, uh, shocking. Yeah, no wonder you're so upset. Oh well, never mind. Onwards and upwards. I mean, Aberdeen. Aberdeen are still fifth in the league, so you never know. And there's, lot, there's still yeah. there's still a lot of football to be played before the before the end of the um before the end of the season. Exactly, we could still get relegated. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think we're only nine points off like the playoff place, I think, at the bottom of the league. So it's um I think we're closer to there than we are to <laughs> Hearts in third. So there's um there's definitely a lot of football to be played. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'm sure Ross County will help you out by continuing to be fucking rotten for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, we can always count on them. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, that was my first little short. Uh, story. What's um, what's your first story this week? Uh, well, I'm also going to a uh, kind of Aberdeen related, Greg. I'm going to Aberdeenshire oh. um, for my first story this week, and this is from uh, you mentioned it a while ago, an untapped resource. So I'm looking at the Scottish Daily Star for um, <laughs> for this article this week. I don't quite know how to do this with a straight face. I'm probably going to burst out laughing, but here we go. <laughs> a secondary school has been forced to deny rumours that some of its students were identifying as cats. <laughs> there were also <laughs> there were also claims that pupils were defecating on the school's floor where litter boxes were not provided. <laughs> this bizarre rumour surrounded Banff Academy in Aberdeenshire and, um, and came from a post on the Banff and Macduff community Facebook page. <laughs> The Post condemned the school and peddled the claim that was shared over 300 times. A spokesperson for the Aberdeen Council told the National there are no cats and no pupils identifying as cats at Banff Academy. (laughs) (laughs) So so this is a rumour. It didn't actually originate from Scotland, but it came from the US um, in in January 2022. And it it became an urban myth about... um, right-leaning personalities use this as an example of woke culture. Right. So it came from a a Republican representative from Colorado who said it must have been just an off-the-cuff thing, like, you know, oh, we have all these people and these people and people are putting litter boxes in schools for people who identify as cats. (laughs) So so, uh, this rumour was also associated with furries, which I believe we discussed in a very early episode of the podcast about pup play, Mm -hmm. um, which is individuals who are interested in in animals and who often create identities um, of themselves of those animals which they call fursonas mm. uh, so the the u.s saw that this myth had been repeated about by 20 political candidates last year and it was even peddled by a popular podcast host joe rogan who eventually backtracked he said that his friend's wife had told him about this and um he wasn't actually sure if it had actually happened but yeah this caused a little bit of, of not outrage but a, a little bit of um excitement in uh, <laughs> in Aberdeen and on some social media forums this week in terms of have you heard about Banff that there <laughs> people they right identifying as cats and they put litter trays out and they're they're shitting on the floor <laughs> it's not it just shows how these things get out of hand and the yeah. fact that it started in a Facebook post and the council had to actually release a statement to say this isn't true. <laughs> this, I mean, it's a wonderful um, statement saying there are no cats and no pupils identifying as cats at Banff Academy. <laughs> so, doesn't say if it's at another academy, though, so it could be another maybe. school in Aberdeenshire. Huntley, maybe somewhere like <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Have you ever, did you have anyone at your school that identified as a cat or anything? No, but I do remember um, there was a guy in the year, a couple of years above me, uh, I can say his name because it was well publicised, his name was Andrew Aitchinson, and he was uh, he was a wee bit sort of gothy, quite, what's what I'm looking for? I don't know, he was sort of 
kind of gregarious, larger than life, and one day he decided to come to school wearing a skirt. And um, okay, he got sent home, and he ended up in the paper. Ironically, it was the Daily Star <laughs> that he was in, <laughs> that he was in because uh, for being sent home for wearing a skirt. Um, and even more ironically, he was on page three of the Daily Star. The story was um, so yeah, we got we got quite a lot of mileage out of it. Um, and when I was in this my last year, at, the last sort of year at school, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the sort of closest thing. I remember people getting sent home for wearing uh, t-shirts. Like there was a Nirvana t-shirt that had some bad language in the back. Uh, there was yeah. a, a Red Dwarf t-shirt that said, "Let's get out there and twat it." I remember somebody getting sent home. <laughs> For wearing that um, on school, on like class photograph day. Um, I don't know how he managed to get past his mother with <laughs> that one. But no, I, I don't remember anybody being being sent home for coming in and behaving as a, like an animal. Well, not like that. No, <laughs> no. I can't say I, uh, I remember anything like that happening either mm-hmm. in my school of anyone identifying. And hey, fair play. If there are people that identify as cats, then yeah. good on you. Um, th- th- that guy... That you mentioned at your school wearing a skirt, he was a, a trailblazer. Yeah, that's what effectively in yeah. terms of good on him for for doing that. Was it a proper skirt or was it like a, a like a black kilt or no? It was it, it was a, a proper it was, like it was a proper pleated school girl skirt. It wasn't pleated, um, <laughs> but it was a it was a girl because we didn't have a uniform when I it was just, I went to um, Mintlow Academy. Well, I finished school at Mintlow Academy um, in Aberdeenshire, and um, yeah, we didn't, we never had the uniform policy. Uh, there was the, you could wear a school tie, and my mother, my first day, which was I started the school in third year, my mother insisted that I wear the school tie. And as soon as I realised that nobody else in the entire school of a thousand kids was wearing a school tie, <laughs> got fucking ripped off and stuck in the bottom of my bag. But uh, yeah, it was just like a, I don't know, I don't know. It was like a, it was almost like a bit like a rah-rah skirt, if I remember right. I can sort of see it in my okay. mind's eye. Um, but uh, yeah. He just did it. He just did it to get to draw attention. He wasn't, you know, he's not. I've I've seen him since. Like his hair's short. He's sort of respectable guys. Going to put his wild cross-dressing days behind him. Clearly, he's just got married, had kids, and become a useful member yeah. of society. You know. There you go. He's now an accountant and father of three, <laughs> driving a Volvo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He, he uh, chose. He, cho- he chose life, as uh, Renton might say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good. Well, at least we know now there are no cats or people identifying as cats at Banff Academy. Uh, okay, then, Greg. Uh, what else have you seen this week? Okay, right. So this my next story comes from the Scottish Sun on the 25th of January. Um, the headline reads, Lash Vegas, a Brewdog fan who won $1 million bar tab gets turfed out for being too drunk after $27,000 rounds. So Brewdog, Brewdog can't seem to get anything right <laughs> of late. No. <laughs> Everything they try. Well, they had, they had the, there was the documentary about them on BBC last, the other year, about the mistreating staff. And, and then there was the one about the golden cans, which turned out not to be golden. Yeah. I think we covered that, didn't we? Um, we did, yeah. Well, they've just opened this big super pub in Las Vegas. Um, the bosses revealed that Mary Jeffrey Appleby, 36, was encouraged to have an early night after spending $27,000 of his prize on rounds for everyone. The Aberdeenshire beer firm uh, had raffled the £800,000 tab to spend on beer, food and hotels over 20 years to celebrate the opening of their Sin City rooftop bar. 
But after the winner, Jeffrey shoved a wheelbarrow of booze through the pub <laughs> and, uh, and sank some ale. Uh, staff escorted them off the premises, appearing the worse for wear. And, and an insider said, I was told the guy had been drinking before he even turned up. I mean... <laughs> I mean <laughs> He is, uh, he is in Vegas. I mean, I don't think there's an awful lot else to do there, really, is there? Everyone was chanting his name, and it looked like he was having a blast. He was definitely making the most of his big moment. But then who wouldn't? He's become a legend now. Uh, American Air Force veteran Jeffrey leapt on the bar with joy as he was handed an oversized check by BrewDog's co-founder, James Watt. Over a thousand guests turned up for the grand opening last month and had their wristband numbers put in a draw. It's understood the terms and conditions stated the winner could only get drinks in for the crowd on prize night. And after that, it's not, mm. it's not allowed. Jeffrey uh, agreed to leave the posh bar without any fuss. He's returned several times since. A source revealed there's no issue between him and BrewDog. He's been back four times and even had a big group of friends in for a party on New Year's Eve. Uh, BrewDog told how the two-story pub is doing a roaring trade and has quickly become one of their top grossing venues. They say more than 40,000 guests have come through the doors and sampled more than 60,000 different ales. Deep-fried Mars bars are on the menu. Oh, Jesus. Along with a Wagyu burger that costs £120. That is absolute scandal, Franco. Uh, a BrewDog spokesman said, We were delighted with our grand opening party with over a 1,000 guests enjoying the evening. Our million-dollar <laughs> million bar tab winner delighted the crowd by buying the bar a few rounds of beer. And after this, he was encouraged to have an early night. He left with his two friends and was accompanied by two senior managers. We look forward to seeing him back in one of our bars in the near future to use the remainder of his prize. It's valid over a 20-year period, therefore encouraging sensible consumption. Brewdog was founded in 2007 by James Watt and his pal Martin Dickey, who made their first beers in a garage. It's become one of the world's top booze brands so what's the most expensive round you've ever you've ever bought do you think oh jesus um i don't know i can't even think it must have been in it would either have been like a wedding or something yeah. or probably in a, a bar in dubai dubai or something mm, yeah. like hell of expensive rounds i don't know i i genuinely can't think off the top of my head i i've never been one for being total over the top of let's get a bottle of champagne or or anything like that. I will occasionally get shots, but I've never never buy rounds really for like massive groups. Mm -hmm. It's always just like a few of us. So I don't know. What about yourself? Have you ever bought a, an extravagant round? Well, I mean, pretty much every time I order around the drinks in Dubai, my fucking wallet pocket twinges with pain because <laughs> it's so expensive. I, I do remember. I remember a, a night out in Edinburgh many years ago with my old flatmate and uh he was hammered and he decided to buy a round for him and i and two other pals that were with us in the caledonia hotel which we were staying in edinburgh and he bought it was late in the evening so i decided me and me and the other guy decided to have a dram and uh we chose like a kind of mid-price one but it was still 25 quid a shot and he encouraged us to have doubles and he bought himself a bottle of Prosecco which is 150 quid so say like 50 quid 150 so like yeah 300 quid almost he spent on a round for four people which uh, I thought was just I mean I was very grateful the whiskey was lovely but <laughs> that's fucking ridiculous just 
could spend 300 quid in a round for four people. <laughs> I think the, the most expensive round I've probably been involved in, but not technically involved in, was... I'm going to have to be very careful how I word this, um, <laughs> just in case there's any sort of statute of limitations or anything, but it involves a mutual friend of ours, mm. not our mutual friend, but another mutual friend, um, who came to visit me somewhere I used to live, and we went to a bar and it, the bar was attached to a hotel and he had picked a key card up off of reception and proceeded to order us two bottles of Dom Perignon champagne <laughs> and charge it to the room using the key card that he'd picked up from reception. <laughs> Um, we were a very popular gentlemen that night in that bar, I'll tell you that. Yeah. As soon as uh, the lady saw two bottles of Dom sitting on our um, table, we were very popular. But yeah, I don't think I've ever um, spent an extravagant amount uh, on a round. Uh, but as you say, Breedog have come into a bit of a hiding recently. Mm. There was, exactly as you said, there was the documentary, there was the, the Golden Can debacle. Even, they can't do right for doing wrong, even the... Um, the fact they came out publicly saying that they they didn't support the World Cup in Qatar and but yet they were picked as one of the Qatar alcohol shops kind of mm. leading brands um, <laughs> smacks in the face. Is this just a case of because even if you go back a few years ago, they were still the golden company and it was like local guys done good. They've built up this business. They've built up this you know great mm -hmm. company. It's worldwide success. Is it the Scottish way in terms of right? We've built them up. Let's knock them down. You know, there could you could have a point there. I mean, I remember reading um, not Billy Conley's autobiography, although he does touch on it, but. The biography that his wife Pamela Stevenson wrote about him, but sort of twenty years ago mm. or something, and she talks about when he first started to become very successful in his own right as a comedian in the seventies. He used to get a lot of a lot of shit in the press from in the Scottish press uh, because mm. you know he was living in London and blah blah blah, or he'd been seen out doing this or doing that or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think you know we do have a bit of a tendency. You know, we sort of celebrate people up to a point, and then it, we get a bit socialist about it and <laughs> start to criticise them. You know, it's it's maybe you know getting above your station, like in terms of you're expanding too much, because you will have brands, for example, like Tonics mm. or Tenants or Baxters or McEwen's. They'll never come in for any criticism because although they are available worldwide, they don't they know their place. Yeah. They don't get above too much, whereas Brutal obviously are massively expanding. Opening, I mean, fuck's sake, they just opened a massive bar in Las Vegas, you know, come on. Is this a case of it's just being like, eh, remember where you came from? Well, yeah. In terms of that. I think, I think because James Watt is very much the face of the company, um, you know, it's not like, if you think about a big company, like a big beer company, or a big whiskey company, since we're talking mm. about Scotland, so say like Glenfiddich, it's been around forever. Nobody, like, there's nobody like in the, in the, public eye who is the sort of face mm. of that company but he whether True. it's by design or whatever he tends to be the one who talks about the business whenever they're mm. in the press and stuff like that and he's you know he's been a, there's been a couple of accusations that he's been less than appropriate uh, with the ladies in some occasions as well you know what I mean so um so that's probably a kind of part of it as well you know yeah that's true because you never think of a like a tenant spokesperson I mean obviously we had the 
the lager lovelies yeah um, of course back in the day but they, could they do weren't no, really they could spokespeople do no, they could do no wrong they are, yeah. exactly <laughs> um and then the McEwan's export cavalier i mean he was he was a character but um yeah you know never got up to no good but yeah you're right that, that probably is the case that we, we can't really name another spokesperson that can come in for this kind of flack so maybe that's why james is becoming a bit of a target because mm-hmm. he is maybe pushing himself a little bit too much and people are like oi Rain it back in. Yeah, yeah. We had the mm. we, we also had the the Mick Blues brothers from McEwen's Lager in the eighties. They were always well behaved, weren't they? Of course, yeah, they uh, were. Yeah, they yeah. certainly were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of tonics, what's your favourite tonics uh, thing? Uh, 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 it would change. You know, something. I actually wouldn't. A caramel wafer. Yeah, got to be a caramel wafer because I bought some last night. Yeah, and I, I had one today. And when I when I have a caramel wafer, what I like to do once I've eaten it is I like to fashion the wrapper into like a bit of a kind of walking stick into a cane. I've always done it for years, but it makes like a perfect, quite rigid. If you roll it, if you roll it sort of tight enough, it makes like a perfect little rigid sort of walking stick that like, like for Action Man or something like that. You know, I I do like a tea cake. They're nice. Yeah. Um, the snowballs they're quite messy mm. to eat, but they are nice. And I hadn't had one for years, and I bought a pack a few months ago. Caramel logs are mm. fucking good. Oh, they are, well. yeah, yeah. The thing yeah, is, if they're really good, if it's a choice between a caramel wafer and a caramel bog, you're probably always going to take the caramel wafer. So when you do have a caramel yeah. bog, because you have the it's, kind of the it's sort of fewer and further between that you would have one. It's just like a real treat. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> mm. oh, right fancy a fucking caramel wafer right yeah, now. I've, I've already I've already had one and a, and a tonics tea cake and a tube of smarties today and it's only fucking ten to three. So <laughs> better not have anything else. <laughs> oh, a, thanks, Greg. I'll be in Appreciate a, that. I'll be in a fucking diabetic coma before we finish recording. Okay, so that was my second story about Brewdog. There, uh, what's your what's your last story this week? Uh, so my last story is from the Daily Record this week, Greg, and it's also food related. Um, so it's about a Scotsman who saved his wife after choking on a poker-sized chip bone whilst eating. Aldi chicken bites. Uh, So a man who choked on a bone the size of a poker chip. Now, if you think how big a poker chip is, Greg, it's quite big. Significant, right? We'll come back to this later on. (laughs) Uh, Whilst eating an Aldi chicken bite had to be saved by his wife. Jack Callard was looking forward to tucking into the katsu chicken tenders on Tuesday night. But now he's been put off the product for life. The 35-year-old from Leith cooked the meal in his air fryer. But whilst on his last tender, it's always the last one, isn't it? A bone got lodged in his throat and he started coughing. Luckily, his wife was able to whack him on the back until it came up. The pair were astounded to see the size of the bone that nearly choked Jack and have slammed Aldi for their lack of compassion following the frightening incident. Uh, pension advisor Jack said my wife and I purchased the katsu chicken tenders from Aldi in Musselburgh we were looking forward to having them for our dinner well you did you had all but one basically (laughs) Um, we cooked the tenders in the air fryer and served them up and it was properly cooked too they were in the air fryer for ages (laughs) (laughs) why is that relevant Um, because if they were undercooked the bone would have what (laughs) still been raw or something Um, we added the sauce from the packet on top of the tenders and proceeded to start our dinner I was literally on the last tender and I felt something tough between my teeth I tried to break it down 
but it got stuck in my throat. There's a, a little bit missing from this story, Jack. How did it get from your teeth to your throat? I started coughing and my wife proceeded to hit my back and this huge bone the size of a poker chip flew out my mouth. We could not believe it. Now, I would not believe it either, but there is a photo accompanying this article and indeed, the, the bone is fucking massive. And it's it's not like a, you know, like a, a chicken wing bone. It's yeah. a, a full-on big like a, bit of bone like, like a rib <laughs> yeah yeah basically uh, i'm still in shock we checked the packaging and couldn't find anything referring to bones <laughs> jack said although it might have been uh, on there in the most tiniest of fine print so you didn't check the packaging that thoroughly, <laughs> yeah. did you, Jack? Um, a, a spokesperson for Aldi said that the chicken product can indeed contain bones, and this is highlighted on the packaging. Jack said, I was shocked by the lack of compassion. All they said was, we're very sorry to hear about this. There's no acknowledgement of someone possibly choking on something. I was still still unable to see this warning. It's really left me with a bone to pick. Oh, Jack, uh, you're not too short <laughs> for buns. Um... <laughs> Oh, Jack's trying to get a, a little uh, media career here because yeah. he's also said, I certainly will not be buying this product again. It was anything but tender. <laughs> uh, an Aldi spokesperson says, although very rare, bones can sometimes be present in chicken products. And this is very clearly highlighted on the packaging. We've apologised to Mr. Callard for his experience with the product and offered him a full refund. So I think Jack was looking for more. That's mm. why he's complaining about lack of compassion. Now, however, this bone is fucking huge. Now, I don't eat meat anymore and haven't for a while. Um, but I would always find, you know, if you did find a little bone or something. I mean, I think fish is probably the best yeah. instance. I used to eat a lot of sea bass when mm. I eat fish. Sea bass, you do often get little bones. Mm. You'd always feel them in your mouth. You would never swallow. You would chew until you could kind of get the bone yeah. out of your mouth and no and then even then you would still chew about another four or five times on the roof of your mouth, like feeling for a bone before you swallowed because you don't want to get a fish bone stuck in your throat let alone a chicken bone the size of a poker chip but then you know if you in in the rare occasion that that happened why would your first instance be you know so you're eating something that is not supposed to have anything hard in it right why would you think on on re on, upon realizing that there's something hard in it why would you think right i'm gonna try and fucking break this down with my teeth <laughs> That's, Do you know what I mean? that's what I was wondering as well. <laughs> now, I can understand if it was the first one he'd had and he's like, oh, this, these um, must be a, a hard bit of um, like breadcrumbs or something. It's the last one he's eaten. So he's had another five or so. <laughs> yeah. He knows what the texture's like. <laughs> exactly as you say, if I find something hard and I like... In your mouth. My mouth yeah. I immediately freeze and I'm like checking it on my tongue. Like, what's that? Because... My first thought is, well, it's either a bone or something, or is it one of my teeth? Or yeah, yeah. is it, you know, what what is this? Some sort of foreign object? But no, Jack probably just thinks, ah, oh, it's just a chicken cyst or something. I'll just fucking bite down on it and try it. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of cartilage or something. It's like, I'll break it down <laughs> yeah. with my teeth. No, first instance is you spit it out and have a look and investigate what it is. Jesus. Right, everybody knows if you, if you find something hard in your mouth, unexpectedly... You Careful. Don't, don't <laughs> bite down right? until you've identified exactly what it is. <laughs> and once you know, swallowing is permissible. Yes. Well, it's all permissions have been given and sanctioned. 
Uh, I mean, I, so yeah, I do have a bit of empathy for Jack because I remember choking on something when I was a teenager. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think I've mentioned this in the Swally before, but when I discovered the joy that was garlic bread with melted cheese on top, I was already I was already well aboard the garlic bread train by this time, right? Well, ab- <laughs> well aboard. Um, I was a big fan of cheese. When I discovered that somebody had put the two together, I thought that guy or woman is a fucking genius. And I was having some lunch in a food court in Glasgow with my dad. And I swat, I, it was like sort of French bread that the garlic bread was made with. And I, I bit a bit off and I swallowed it. But the cheese, there was a bit of cheese uh, attached to the bit in my hand, which was still attached to the bit that was going down my throat. Because <laughs> it's, mo- it's mozzarella cheese. The mozzarella cheese is oh. always stringy. And I started to really choke. And my dad had to like batter me in the back. Um, to So I, 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 I you know, I, I, it felt like I was choking for ages. In reality, it was probably only moments. But when you're young and you're panicked and you're choking, you know, and you think you're going to die... <laughs> <laughs> Seems yeah. like a really long time. So I do have some yeah. em- I do have some empathy, but uh but yeah, I mean I just I don't understand the compulsion they but this whatever this hard thing is, it's it's not gonna beat me. I'm gonna break it down no. with my teeth. You know, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of self, there's a bit of blame on his side there as well. I think. Oh, definitely. Similar to yourself, I seem to remember being a youngster and choking on something. I can't remember what it was, but I remember my mum probably taking great delight in fucking smacking the shit out of my back to get this thing up <laughs> yeah. and um eventually it did come out but i've yeah, surely if you're chewing something and you find it's it's hard and like i say this it genuinely is like a poker chip so mm. imagine you've got something like the size of a 50 pence piece in your mouth you're <laughs> you're gonna notice that <laughs> You'd probably even see it before you bit into the chicken tender, surely. Yeah, I wish I think what part of the chicken, like you know, because like, like the the biggest bones are like the are in the joints, aren't they? Kind of looks to me like the uh, which again shows probably what's in the fucking what quality of chicken is in <laughs> all these rich and crispy katsu chicken tenders. Um, it looks like the. Exactly as you kind of said, vertebrae like the back. Uh-huh. When you when you strip a chicken, the carcass, yeah, yeah. the the back kind of um, spine. Yeah, you know that has the the two bits. Um, showing my lack of chicken anatomy, <laughs> kind of here. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a chunk of that basically. Right. Okay. Well, it doesn't sound like any harm's done. And as you said, he still managed to come up with like a bit of a quip and uh, and quite a good closing line as well. I think the reporter would be a bit jealous of that. I think it was his experience was anything but tender. You know. Yeah, Dram- that's quite good, yeah. Dramatic. <clears throat> it really left me with a bone to pick. I will not be buying this product again. It was anything but tender. Yeah. Good on you, Jack. <laughs> yeah, oh well, maybe think twice. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, uh, sort of stir up the Aldi lawyers, but I'd be surprised if their 99 pence chicken tenders chicken is ethically sourced. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, moving swiftly on. Um... <laughs> I'm sure little are the same as well. Have you um, seen anything else in the news this week, Greg, you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I think that was everything. Um, yeah, that was all. I mean, there was, sort of following on from your Banff story, there was a story about somebody leading two people dressed as dogs um, through a Scottish branch of Ikea. Um, it's a bit of a mystery as to what or why. Um, but apparently they were replete with wagging tails <laughs> as well. So obviously, 
obviously uh, enjoying being in IKEA. But no, that was everything. Uh, oh, uh, Lewis, Lewis Capaldi was um, complaining about the fact that Freddos were no longer 10p, but I don't know how to break it to you, Lewis, but I don't think Freddos have been 10p for about fucking 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was everything. Do you have anything else this week? Uh, no, nothing really. Uh, the only other story that I saw that kind of made me chuckle a little bit was um, there was a, a video doing the rounds. I should have mentioned this after the Darvel thing. Um, it was an ex-Aberdeen player, um, Greg Halford, not the lead singer of Judas Priest, um, <laughs> the other uh, Greg Halford. Um, and he was uh, he was throwing his cheating ex's belongings out of a window um, in this video that was pictured. So it was the video of his house and he's throwing out all these shoe boxes and other boxes and stuff. And he he put this video online himself. Um, and in the description, he said, been far too long, but finally clearing out the cheating cunt ex's stuff. And in this video, as I say, there's lots of shoe boxes and there's also like a mountain bike lying in the like in this kind of disarray. And what made me laugh about this was one of the Twitter comments. Someone replied to him, how much for the bike, mate? <laughs> Not your ex. <laughs> <laughs> Not your ex, the one that's on the floor. <laughs> so. <laughs> a little bit of sympathy there for poor old Greg Halford. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> okay. Often people, I mean, sometimes people on Twitter are just absolutely inspired. What was there was one this week that I think I sent to you guys. I'm trying to find it. I get through all the toy pictures and pictures, of, <laughs> pictures of Jim Duggan. Oh yeah, the the one about oh, that uh, confession. This was that fesshole account on Twitter, and somebody had put mm. on there. My wife asked me why I was distant and anxious. I told her there was a work issue with a colleague. In reality, I was struggling to sign a quality right back and championship manager. <laughs> Somebody's replied, play play three central defenders with a deep creative player in front of them and set your wide midfielders to play as defensive wingers. Your wife can thank me later. <laughs> I'm going to use that tactic. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> you still play champion. You play championship manager. Uh, well, yeah, it's football manager nowadays. But oh, yeah, yeah, I still do. Um, not as addictively as I used to. But yeah, yeah. I, if I do start it up, then I do go down a rabbit hole. Right. And occasionally, my wife will be like, <laughs> "What are you thinking about? <laughs> what are you doing?" And like, I will be off staring at the space, not playing it. But I'm already thinking about right. I need to sign a new left back. I need to um, get a new striker. Should I renew his contract or not? Like it does absolutely fucking consume you. This game, it's yeah. um, it's wonderful, and it has done since I started playing it when I was about sixteen. Um, I've played it all the way, and uh, no, genuinely, I will be out walking the dog and thinking, right, I've got hips away next. Right, if I play him up front i need to start bleeding some youngsters though fuck i need a new uh i need a new sub goalie should i splash the cash on one or should i try and get someone out of contract yeah yeah it does it genuinely absolutely consumes your life uh okay uh right well before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today let's have a little word from our sponsors if you book your summer holiday at 80 Mays now, you could save over 50 pounds with all our thrifty 50 bonuses yes 50 pounds just for you at 80 Mays. Okay, so it was your choice this week, Nicky. Why don't you introduce the show that we're talking about in this episode? Thanks very much, Greg. Well, yes, it was my choice, and this wasn't so much a listener request um, or a recommendation even. It was uh, it came from everyone's favourite Canadian baker, Strong Henry, 
And he merely asked on a post, have you ever done this? And I was like, no, we haven't. And I've always been kind of meaning to watch this. So that's the reason I picked it. So we are going to be looking at the Scottish crime drama series for BBC Scotland. First broadcast on the 10th of March, 2013, Shetland. Uh, Shetland is based on the novels by the author Anne Cleves and it stars Douglas Henshaw as D.I. Jimmy Perez, a good Scottish name there. Um, the first series, which is what we're going to be focusing on here today, consisted of two episodes telling a two-part story based on the book Red Bones, which is actually the third book in the Shetland series. The format of Shetland changed in series two, which consisted of six episodes, but three two-part stories, and the following five series have seen a six-episode arc covering the single story. Anyway, we are focusing on series one here today, which features the aforementioned Douglas Henshaw, Claire Rafferty, Gemma Chan, Mark Bonner, Alexander Morton, and Stephen Robertson, amongst many others. It tells the tale of Jimmy investigating the murder of elderly Mima Wilson, who is found dead on her croft, which is also the site of an archaeological dig. So Greg, on the last episode, you said you'd never seen a single episode of Shetland, neither had I, mm -hmm. but I take it you were aware of the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know it's been, it's obviously been very successful because they've done six or seven series of it. Seven. Yeah, it's been going yeah. and been going since 2013. Um, but I'd never, I don't know why, I just, I'd, I'd never watched it, um, and it, which is surprising because I've always uh, been a fan of uh, Dougie Henshaw's and obviously it's uh, set in Scotland, so I, I'm not sure why I'd never seen it. But uh, it was good. Um, sort of kind of island Taggart vibes a wee bit. Well, yeah, I I was kind of the same. I, I'd never watched it and I don't know why. I, I was aware of it, but and even I, I used to see on social media, I think our mutual friend likes it and he would all, often be posting, oh, Shetland tonight. And I'd be thinking, okay, and I, I don't know what I thought. I, I guess I presumed it was like Midsummer Murders, but set in Shetland. I, I don't know why I'm saying that because I've never seen an episode of Midsummer Murders either. But I, I guess I presumed it was like I don't know, Bergerac or just all these crimes going on in Shetland. But how much can you get out of that? But I, I don't know why I'd never actually watched it, but I'm really glad that I... I have now started, <laughs> which we'll uh, we'll come on to. But yeah, it, it's been around for ages, and it's been a a massive success for the BBC. And as you say, I, I like Doogie Henshaw, and actually a lot of the cast. You know, I never realised Mark Bonner was in this, for no. example, and you know a few other Stephen Robertson, and you know th there was a lot of cast members that popped up. You know, even Gemma Chan in the, yeah. the, the first couple. I was like, oh my god, wow. Yeah, yeah, I was really surprised. Really surprised because like her first scene when she sort of walking down the road toward Jimmy and Tosh and I was thinking you know and they, I, I, I think they're they're at the croft where Mima's mm. body's been found she's walking down the sort of hill toward them I'm like who the fuck that who is she's well familiar and then mm. it didn't take me long to realize who it was you know because we'd funnily enough uh, my daughter and I had just watched the fairly unexciting uh, Eternals the other week uh, of which she's like the lead character or she's one of the leads at least um, but yeah I mean like a real and then I think in later episodes of Shetland Brian Cox turned 
comes up, I believe. Yep. Uh, Bill Patterson. I think he's in series two, actually. Yeah. yeah. Bill Patterson. Um, yep. So, you know, like really, uh, really punching. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was surprised how much I enjoyed it because I think the story itself is, you know, I think it's been done a few times, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. I don't think there's anything particularly original, but the fact that it's on, it's in Shetland and uh, and that great cast really elevates it. What I really liked about it was, as you say, the story, I don't know, it, it could have had a bit more for me. However, what I liked about it was I, I love a, a crime drama and of course love anything scottish as well and this it just felt quite it's not quite gentle and Mm. slow and methodical but i don't mean slow in a bad way i mean in a good way there was no guns or you know so19 team storming in with machine guns or you know big pedal it was all very slow methodical just gentle nice lovely landscapes uh, but also this kind of foreboding kind of sense of darkness as well over and it just it really appealed to me in a kind of gentle, nice way. I mean, it reminded me very much of a lot of Scandinavian kind of dramas, you know, in terms of like The Killing or The Bridge. And um, also around about the same time, I think Broadchurch came out and it's mm. kind of a similar-ish vibe in kind of the small community and, and yeah. just there's something, a mystery's happened, no one knows what's going on. But yeah, I, I really was surprised at how much I enjoyed that. Did you watch it with uh, with uh, your lovely wife? Um, I didn't, unfortunately, but I, I will watch it again with her because, I mean, spoiler alert for later on, I, I want to continue watching this. Yeah, so yeah. I, I want to kind of introduce her to it because I I think she would get a kick out of it. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to watch it with her. Okay, yeah. No, I, I didn't watch it with mine either. I was travelling... But I think the fact that the story is told and concluded over two episodes mm. is quite refreshing because, you know, like in the days of the streamers and stuff when seasons are really long for TV shows, you know what I mean? By particularly American TV shows, I think in the UK they've, sort of historically they've kind of resisted like a long sort of series of, you know, I think Line of Duty is probably... You know, I think it's usually about six episodes, isn't it, Line of Duty, when, yeah. it, when it's on? Yeah. And then that other one, um, The Bodyguard, with Richard Madden mm-hmm. and uh, Kiwi Hawes in it, I think that was like five or six episodes. Six. Was it six? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's quite, I mean, even then, although it's not as big of a, as big of a commitment as, say, The Wire or something like that hmm. it's um you know it's quite it's quite economical storytelling to be able to hmm. sort of set the mystery up you know like cover the investigation and then conclude it in a fairly satisfying way um in the space of two hours you know that's what i really liked about it as well as exactly as you've said it's it was a two-part and obviously this was the the first series and i think they they just made this to maybe test the water and, and see if it was going to be a hit and obviously it was so that's why they've done the subsequent series mm. they continued that with series two which is six parts but it is three two-part stories and i think the reason we probably like that is maybe taggart because yeah. taggart was always two three episodes at the very most mm-hmm. but it would still be like a six episode series yeah but you yeah. would have like three and there would be a continuing storyline through the main characters but Mm. a crime was kind of solved every you know two episodes yeah and i was quite i haven't watched them i was almost disappointed to read that after 
series two, they go on to like a six part arc. And I was like, oh, I wish you'd kept it. But I guess they were running out of kind of books to do. Yeah, yeah. So they, they maybe had to like, well, we need to stretch this out over six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> People kind of like this. So we need to start doing something. But the, there is something good about the, you know, if you watch two episodes, it's two hours. That's a film. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. And it, it's a lot more enjoyable in a way in terms of you're invested and it's a film it's a, it's a significant break it's a film yeah and you get a break you know you can yeah. you, you can choose to watch them back to back i i watched them back to back because i was traveling this week as i mentioned i was in qatar i was in the hotel room um and i had i had the, i had them with me to watch so i knew that i was obviously alone and i wouldn't be distracted and stuff so so i i i chose just to watch them one after the other but the you the, the legitimately if you're watching with like you know your husband or your wife your kind of partner you can say should we watch the next episode tomorrow night and and it's sort yeah. of, and it's sort of fine you know it, just as it's yeah. equally fine to be like ooh, it's exciting let's let's see what happens and watch the other hour, watch the next hour you know yeah because there's nothing worse than watching a film with your significant other and then you look at your watch and think oh, it's another hour to go um you know, I'm kind of plodding along with this, but there's a whole other hour and I kind of want to go to my bed. Whereas at least if you have this kind of significant break, then you have that. But I think in these two episodes, they kind of, they did a good bit of character building for going into a series, you know, in terms of you, you get got a little bit of a glimpse in kind of Jimmy's backstory with his daughter Cassie and obviously her father Duncan and a little bit, you know, with Tosh and her ex Drew. There was a little bit of kind of, but they didn't go too in depth into it because obviously you've only got two episodes, so you can't be bogged down with that. But it was almost laying little kind of breadcrumbs in terms of if we do get a series, yeah. then we can expand on this. And I presume they do quite a lot in the the future series. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I was only the one thing in terms of the character development of like the main cast that I was a wee bit confused about, and I was and I sort of I think I sort of deduced it, but I had a look on the. Shetland wiki page uh, just to confirm was the relationship with Jimmy Duncan Hunter played by Mark Bonner and of course Jimmy's well turns out stepdaughter because I you know I didn't realize that until the until the scene where Jimmy confronts Duncan about the betting and how you know mm. and and whatnot and they discuss it and i was i was like oh but then you know because like there's nothing to suggest in the scenes with jimmy and uh, cassie that uh she's his stepdaughter because they seem to have like a close sort of father-daughter relationship you know well yeah but there is um in episode one because initially you do you get the they are father and daughter mm. but then like midway through episode one duncan comes around to the house and him and jimmy are having a cup of tea in the garden and he calls cassie cassie come and say goodbye to your father oh man she comes out and says so i'll see you at the weekend and and there's a little interchange of you know thanks for bringing her back to shetland yeah you know i'm I'm kind of getting to know her again and but it's still you don't know about the mum and then it's not until episode two when cassie is like you know i'm I'm kind of still i'm almost angry with her for getting ill yeah yeah it's so you're like ah okay so she's died then they've come back to shetland it's it's very subtly done which i really liked it's it's not you know battering you over the head with a hammer of mm. oh but we miss mum so much so we had to come back and it, it's i i thought that was really cleverly and well done in a subtle way so subtle you didn't pick up on it yeah i know i know <laughs> so that's that's pretty poor on my part that um not at all not at all but yeah i mean i think because you know they're obviously 
they're, they're obviously trying to paint a bit of a picture of Jimmy. Um, you know, he's he's working on his boat. And there's a scene where she, uh, Cassie. Um, she says how she knows that he never sleeps and all this and it's like well you know what is I guess to your earlier point you know maybe it is laying the seeds for more of a sort of analysis of the character later on you know does he struggle to sleep because he's still kind of grieving his late wife or is there you know is there some sort of dark episode Mm. of his his life uh, as a police officer like something that he's seen um, or had to deal with um, but, you know, so I, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, they're, they're like to your point. Anne Cleves has written a lot of books set, you know, in the on the island uh, with these characters. But she's pretty prolific when it comes to um, creating crime characters and having them turned into TV shows. So mm. there's obviously there's the um, there's the Shetland. Uh, books with the or the Jimmy the Jimmy Perez books, but she's also got Vera as well, which has been hmm. a, a big hit for ITV for years with uh, Brenda Brenda Brethlin Brenda be, be, ah, fuck it I don't know you know who I'm talking Is it about Bleason yeah maybe Brenda Bleason or, yeah, yeah. Fuck, probably and, and quite a similar vibe I've never watched Vera but I'm aware of it and I guess that's quite a similar vibe in a way mm-hmm. is it or, maybe well she's yeah. I think I think Vera's like a I think she's sort of like a female Frost. You know, like the David mm. Jason one, um, or something, like, or she's like a private investigator or something like that. I'm not sure, but I mean, it's like Hetty went Hetty Winthrop investigator. <laughs> yeah, but she's sort of uh, she's kind of the queen of these um, kind of genre characters, you know, um, and and having them turned into TV shows. And ironically, she's not from Scotland. She's uh, she, no. she lives in uh, in in Whitby, where her mutual friends. Uh, girlfriend comes from just that's a point of a st- interest <laughs> a Tory stronghold <laughs> yeah, to- by all accounts as we hear Tory stronghold Whitby <laughs> which you which you, dis- you successfully disproved last night <laughs> so Anne Cleves is effectively the uh, the Stephen J Cannell of um mm. of UK crime series <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I guess we need to to talk about the cast. I mean, first of all, before we we go into kind of the story and stuff. So obviously we have Doogie Henshaw mm. as uh, Jimmy Perez. Perez, a very strange yeah. name for a, a Scottish Shetlander. But um, I, I am led to believe that we, we do find out things in later series that like might his, maybe reveal his, things. His uh, grandfather used to drive an ice cream van around in Lerwick or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... Oh, Doogie's he's a great actor. I mean, he, he hasn't yeah. been in a huge amount of things that we've done on the Swally so far. He's he's popped up in a couple, but um, well, he's not he's, he's, he's uh, not really led anything. I, I mean, the closest thing that he's that we've done that he's kind of led, and he's you know, and I guess you would strictly speaking, he's one of the he's one of three leads is in Orphans where he plays Michael. You know, but he's mm. he's in um, uh, Down Among the Big Boys. But again, sort of supporting character. He's in. He's got a small part in the Big Man, the Liam Neeson film that we did last year. Um, mm. have, is it, have he been anything else I've done? I'm not sure he has. I think that's it. I haven't updated the Swally tally, but I think that could be it for his appearances so far. I mean, I had to look at his yeah. filmography on Wikipedia. You know, so he has been sort of steady Eddie for since like 1989, where he plays. 
manager in the bill <laughs> episodes of the bill and uh, and motorcyclist in Taggart. Um, but you know he's he's got some pretty um, he's got some pretty big uh, shows and films on his on his CV. You know, he's in Lipstick on Your Collar, the Dennis mm. Potter series that arguably turned Hugh McGregor into a star. He was he's mm-hmm. he played, he's in the the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. He's popped up in um, Rabsi Nesbitt. Uh, he's popped up in Sharp, the Sean Bean and uh, Napoleonic War thing. He's he's turned up in that. He was in I think I mentioned it before this year's Love. Uh, sort of mm-hmm. romantic comedy with Dougie Scott and Kathy Burkett's. It's actually quite good if you can get past the David Gray soundtrack, but it's set in Camden. <laughs> <laughs> it's set in Camden, so we can't, you know, unfortunately it doesn't qualify for the Swally, despite Dougie Scott and, and Dougie Henshaw being in there. Um, and then, of course, I think probably his biggest TV success was... The, the kind of ITV Doctor Who challenger uh, Prime Evil that was out mm. in the mid uh, 2000s on a Saturday night recently with Hannah from S Club 7. Was I was that... waiting to say, was that with Hannah from S Club 7? But yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. It's like a dinosaur thing. Right. Yeah, never watched it. No, um, I, and you're right, I think he's, he's, do, he's done a lot. Mm. He's never been short of work. But then he has all of a sudden landed this incredible role yeah. as... D.I. Jimmy Perez and by all accounts beloved doing great and I know they've done seven seasons and spoiler alert he's he's left right he's walked away they are they are going to continue doing a, an eighth series um but they're replacing him with Ashley Jensen right um is, is going to be taking over the role not as Jimmy Perez <laughs> I think she'll be someone different but and and that's quite a a brave choice I think to to have this thing thinking right I but it's the same as any job. If you've done this for seven years, well, in fact, no, it's 2013, so mm. seven seasons, but, you know, it's it's um, nine years. Well, yeah, no, yeah. ten years, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been doing this for. You're going to think, oh, fancy a bit of a change. Kind well, of a bit fed up of this. So, And he and he has said he's, he's leaving to, to pursue other roles. You know, you think, well, good on you. You know, fair play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you know, like, to your point, I mean, it's been going for ten years. I've done seven series. So that's almost one series a year. Probably takes, it probably blocks out quite a big chunk of his calendar. You know what I mean? I think I read about, I think I read about about six months that yeah. they, they film. So, you know, half a year. I, I, mind you, I would I would probably take a job if I was like six months on, six months off. <laughs> well, yeah. But I suppose, you know, when you're doing, you know, when you're, when you're doing something artistic, like acting and you know he, I guess he maybe wants to challenge himself I mean they, they, he's done some he's done like really interesting things over the years you know he's, he's done a bit of Shakespeare he's done he's done a bit of anthology stuff like in the the old uh, Playhouse Presents um, series that used to be on uh, ITV you know what I mean so he's, he's done comedy he's done high drama he's been in films with like Penelope Cruz um, and Lena, Lena Headey um, and stuff like that you know so he's he sort of strikes me as being somebody who you know who likes to sort of test themselves and you know and maybe do things that I mean I suppose he might when he was started in this in a TV show in 2013 on the BBC like a sort of primetime TV show it was probably quite a surprising choice because I'm sure like for us who you know, we are always been big fans of movies and, you know, and it's led us to watch a lot of independent British films, like Lake Orphans, for example, which, you know, probably more people haven't seen Orphans than have seen it. So he might not have been instantly recognisable to the average uh, nine o'clock in the evening BBC One viewer. You know what I mean? 
Right, for us, we obviously know him straight away, but for most people, maybe not. So I guess, uh, to your point, he's maybe just want to go off and do some more some more different things. I do wonder, though, because, and I'm not saying anything, and, and there's nothing I can say here because it's all been reported in the press, but since he has announced that he's leaving the Shetland role, he has kind of gone off the rails a little bit in terms of his social media output. And I wonder if that's maybe part of this choice to leave because Ugh. the BBC were restraining him. Um, I think he announced maybe in September that he was leaving. And these are just three articles from September. Um, on one must have been slightly earlier. No, September as well. Um, so two articles from September and one from uh, January, the 9th of January, so just a, a few weeks ago. Um, the first one uh, came, I think, just a couple of weeks after he announced that he was leaving. Um, so it was uh, the Shetland star who is a lifelong St Mirren supporter. Um, in, in 2010, he told the Scotsman, when I was growing up in the 70s, my dad wouldn't take me to Ibrox or Parkhead because of all the sectarianism. However, um, after Celtic, beat Rangers 4-0 uh, he tweeted it's always good day when the Huns get humped <laughs> lol <laughs> yeah um, also in September he tweeted about uh, basically the headline was that he tweeted about the Queen's coffin being empty um, oh yeah the, the post yeah he said um, do you think the queue would be so long if people knew that, that the Queen isn't in that coffin or do they just know and think it's symbolic and then just uh, earlier this month, he tweeted um, that he um, hoped that the late Pope Benedict got a nice send off despite protecting paedophiles. <laughs> so it uh, it does seem like the, the gloves are off yeah. for them, for well, Dougie, since he's left the Shetland role. And he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to go full David Icke and say whatever the fuck I want. Well, to, to your point, you, you may have... You may have touched upon something here because, as I mentioned, Shetland is made by the BBC. Uh, the, BB the BBC, for anybody overseas who might not be aware, stands for British Broadcasting Corporation. Um, Dougas Henschel's little biography at the top of his Twitter account says... The genius of the establishment has always been to convince the poor and the vulnerable to vote against their own best interests. So when it comes to establishment with a capital E, you don't get much more establishment in the UK than the BBC. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, he, he said something nice about Sylvia Sims, who died uh, yesterday, the famous, um, the famous British actress, uh, character actress. But he, yeah, but he's very. Um, he does have some strong opinions on Twitter. Some very strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, we're going to focus on his performance yeah. as Jimmy Perez here. Um, I thought it was great. Really, oh, it's great. Yeah. Understated, but really good, and and really, I, I don't want to say this a lot as well. Really believable, but mm. he he was really good, and you really felt for him his his affection towards Hattie was so genuine and beautiful and you never once thought is he trying to fire into her mm -hmm. like you never thought that it was a genuine caring sort of um yeah. relationship that they kind of had his relationship with Tosh Alison O'Donnell is one of my favorite things about Shetland so far the little kind of quips and banter they have yeah. and it, it, he's a very serious character, but you can tell he kind of likes to have fun. It, it's not like Taggart, you know, Martin Manis. He came out with a good odd quip yeah, yeah. again, but it, there's not that relationship. You know, the the first thing he basically says when he 
sees it as you know your eyes look like piss holes in the snow because yeah. you know and it, it's it, but it's a jokey and and even when she's speaking to drew her ex he's like you're why were you ever with him you know mm. kind of you're too good for him but there's but also there's there's not a hint of any kind of sexual yeah, yeah tension or anything it's just you know banter and friends um the relationship he has with duncan and you can tell he genuinely cares and it's summed up immediately when um he attends you know the first crime scene with sandy and sandy's gr- just found his grandmother dead yeah and he's trying to talk him through the procedure but also in such a caring way yeah and trying to explain and i i just thought he was just absolutely fantastic yeah, it's a sort it's a sort of role that he's actually really, really good at. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, the sort of the kind of emotionally complex but single minded kind of character. You know, like I always like my my favourite performance of his, I think, will always be as Michael in Orphan. And there's mm. there's a little bit of that character uh in Jimmy as well. You know, they the sort of you know, he understands what it's like to come from a community, you know. Um, he obviously, you know, he understands that in communities in the Shetland Islands, a lot of people, most people know each other. Most people know each other really well because they've lived in, the, they've lived there their whole lives for generations. He's not like a sort of dyed-in-the-wool, hardened detective you know and, and that i think the, the best no. the, the best example of that is when he comes across the body of hattie in the mm. in on the in the dig site and he's you know he's he's shocked you know he's, yeah. it's, he's not you know so you know just from the way he plays it that this isn't a detective who is finding dead bodies regularly at work and finding or, you know finding murdered young women and stuff you know he's not he's not a grizzled hardened seen it all detective he's a community detective he knows everybody and he's in his patch you know what i mean to some extent um and you know he's he's not unaffected by barbaric crime Oh no! The the emotion he displays when he finds um uh, Patty in the the grave is yeah it, it really raw. A, a shock of finding the body, but then he also is in a bit of shock and mm-hmm. and upset because okay they didn't have a a close relationship. They only met like the day yeah. or two before, but you could tell he, he was looking out for her and cared yeah, for her. Yeah, I, I I did find that a little bit. Um, that was one bit that didn't really lie with me so well. But when she kind of went missing, and he's phoning her mother to say, "Look, I don't want to worry you. But, um, <laughs> have, you seen her? have you heard from her? Yeah, she's missing." Like, and I'm like, "That's yeah, I don't want to worry you, but of course, yeah. of course that's going to worry her. Well, yeah, no one's heard from her for about three days. Um, was she um, was she worried about anything? Or <laughs> I I did find that maybe didn't sit quite right with me um but yeah his it's exactly as you say like i don't know how many i presume you've seen a few because when tosh comes to the the crime scene to to photo um mima's body mm. and and she pukes up and he does say first time yeah, yeah. It, you know it's almost like he is kind of not wizened wizened to it but you know he's seen a few yeah but i think the the fact that when he sees hattie's body it, it the impact yeah. of that it, it yeah. did really help the character to grow for sure you know um and again you know i think it comes back to to doogie henshaw's understanding of the character that he's playing 
You know what I mean? Um, mm. You know the, the last police officer that we've saw that we saw him play was in uh, Down Among the Big Boys, where he's engaged. Mm. He's engaged, ironically, to Ashley Jensen, uh, Ashley Jensen's character. Oh, of course, uh, of course. Yeah. I never thought about that. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and he was a lot younger then. He was, you know, he was. I don't think he was maybe just in, in his early thirties. But um, you know, like yeah, I always feel with him. You know, if I think about his contemporaries, I suppose his contemporaries are going to be people like Robert Carlyle, for example. I think they're round about the same age. Um, mm. I guess Ewan McGregor is a bit of a contemporary, although Penchel's, I think he's at least five or six years older than Ewan McGregor. But mm. I think the the sort of star was on the rise at the same time. Um, yeah. I, think, I often think um, Kevin McKidd as well. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Dickie Henshaw was born um, 1965. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Kevin McKidd was 73. Yeah. So they are a good bit apart. So, yeah, you're right. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think I was quite surprised when I when I looked him up and saw how old he was because he doesn't doesn't look that old, really. He, 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 doesn't, look, no. he doesn't look like somebody who's, who's going to be 60 in a couple of years. Um, no. But he... I, I don't know, I, I feel with him, you know, he's maybe because he hasn't done too many sort of high profile, obviously he's not been as successful as the likes of Ewan McGregor, you know, P- Peter Mullen um, has become sort of internationally quite successful over the last sort of 10 years, you know, he was in that War Horse, that Spielberg film, he was obviously in Ozark, um, a very big part in that which was really successful and stuff he sort of seems to have come to the attention of a kind of wider audience although we've always known him for years in um in scotland whereas mm. Dougie henshaw hasn't really had that same sort of success but i think it, i think what's led to is he does these kind of lower key he's done a lot of these un- independent films and stuff and i think with him he's a real actor's actor you know what i mean mm. like he wants to really understand the character and the motivation and you know, I I don't know if he's like a method guy or whatever, but he said, mm. but I do feel that, and I think he's he's sort of he's similar, he's sort of more similar to somebody like Peter Mullen, I think, than maybe a Ewan McGregor or a Kevin McKidd in the sense that they both. I mean, Peter Mullen obviously has a great sense of character because he's he's a writer as and a director as well as being an actor, and I think I I wonder if uh, if if uh, Henschel's ever thought about trying his hand at directing because he might find he's actually very good at it here's a completely off kilter question with nothing related to what we're talking about well it is related but it's not um if if i can just go off piece for a second Mm. um whenever doogie henshaw will be mentioned in the press it'll always say for now it'll always say the shetland actor right or the shetland star because that is what he is most known for yeah for sure um Ewan McGregor, I think it's always still going to be train spotting. Um, <laughs> you know, despite the fact, it depends which side of the, the Atlantic you're yeah, on. Yeah. It might be the, you know, the Star Wars, Obi Wan star, but it's always going to be train spotting. Kevin McKidd, you're probably going to get Grey's Anatomy or train spotting. Peter Mullen, where do you start? I know. That's the thing with Where him. do you start? Yeah. Like there's there's no one role like you could actually which is 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 that the sign of a an incredible actor that he's such a chameleon that is not if you say Peter Mullen obviously I'll I I I, I genuinely don't know which role pops into my head first because I immediately I mean I'm I'm torn now because immediately I'll think of like Andy from the Steamy but then mm. it's just because we spoke about that a couple yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Um, weeks ago so now I'm like well I, I genuinely I have no idea what character of Peter Mullins 
would pop into my head first, which I guess that's a sign of an incredible actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I like one of my favorite uh, Peter Mullen performances, which I think I'll probably pick it this year as one of my choices, is My Name is Joe, where he plays a recovering alcoholic. And, you know, I've, I've known people over the years, not necessarily intimately, but certainly acquainted with people who have got real problems with alcohol. You know what I mean? And, and Peter Mullen's understanding of that kind of torture and what it takes to keep yourself straight when you're trying to to beat your addiction. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I know there's been a lot of films about with actors playing recovering alcoholics or or lapsed alcoholics, or whatever. But I don't think I've ever seen somebody who really sort of seems to understand, you know. Mm. And, and as far as I know, Peter Mullins never had a problem with alcohol. And I, I suspect that if it, had he had had problems with alcohol, he might not have been able to play that character. Do you know what I mean? Um, unless unless he felt he totally conquered it. Anyway, um, sorry to lead us off that path because we're not talking about peter mullen peter mullen's not in this um we're talking about uh doogie henshaw who i mean i think we're coming to the end of talking about him but mm. absolutely stellar performance and I, i'm really looking forward to seeing how this character develops by watching more episodes of shetland i i'm i'm invested yeah in this um i, I think that the next probably character is Alison O'Donnell is Tosh. Now, I do have a little bit of a kind of argument about the Tosh because mm. there's only one Tosh. Tosh off the bill. He was a fat bald man with a moustache <laughs> on the bill. Now, I, I, I don't know why you would name the character that. I mean, obviously I know her name is Macintosh and right. it makes sense, Tosh, but for people of our generation, there's only one Tosh. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely loved her character. She is... A, like comedic relief but without being a bumbling idiot or yeah, yeah there was one one bit towards the end where she kind of forgot when she was reading her rights to the, yeah, the yeah. killer i i didn't really like that but because like come on she's she's a clever educated the way she kind of just went to things with her braces and and just she was very light-hearted but also a, a really great character and i thought a great performance from uh from alison o'donnell and i'm looking forward to seeing that character grow as well but I just, I, as I said, I love the relationship between her and Jimmy. Truth is, I was getting married to a Shetland boy. Thought I'd get my teeth straightened before the wedding. Any road, he had second thoughts, called it off, but I thought I might as well stick with the brace. It's all very amicable. Has to be on an island, doesn't it? I thought, I mean, she was a bit of a revelation for me because I'd never seen her in anything before. And mm. I agree with you. I really liked her. I liked the dynamic between her and Jimmy. You know, she's quite self-depreciating and and, mm. and whatnot. And you know, she you know she's funny to your point without being the butt of any jokes. I think if I if I wanted, I probably wanted a little bit more in that I would have liked because Jimmy sort of solves the mystery kind of single-handedly. Really, like he he does all the heavy lifting. And and yeah. I would I liked I would have liked to have had seen her sort of right, uncover something that led to, you know, the kind of conclusion or something that Jimmy had missed or something like that. And and maybe, mm. to your point, I've not watched any other episodes of Shetland either, um, so maybe we'll see more of that in, in, later, in later episodes and things. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I never thought about that. Mm. He gives her the arrest at the end. Yeah, he gets he to arrest the, the murderer. So <laughs> I think that, it, actually, that's a, a beautiful point as well. Maybe that is the significance and she will grow. 
because you're right she doesn't have any kind of amazing revelations you're right jimmy solves it all himself yeah with the use of the internet as well which i thought was a a quite a good thing you don't see often on Mm. um crime shows um yeah yeah but basically that's how he solves it by looking on old articles in the shetland times yeah and uh, and 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 again like when hattie dies the first thing they are is like right let's go on our facebook and have a look at our mm. photos and stuff which was quite nice to see yeah um but you're right she um i think she maybe did need a little bit more to do um in in terms of the show and she like to say she does have good lines and i I like they kind of laid a little bit of a backstory in terms of her and her her ex-fiance who is obviously the guy working at the the hotel yeah (laughs) he's a bit of a loser yeah she has a couple of good lines in terms of the um what's that is your dog in the magic circle because he's making all those biscuits disappear and and (laughs) stuff like that is your dog a member of the magic circle by any chance He's very good at making those biscuits disappear. Okay, okay. I'll buy some more. What have we done with the dog and the biscuits? What I want to know is, um, in the first scene when we see her, what kind of fucking house party was she at when there's like about 10 bodies on the floor in sleeping bags and the room is full of smoke? Mm, Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know exactly. I mean, it sort of reminded me of a few sofas that I've woken up on myself over the years uh, as a a much younger man. Yeah, I'm not sure I could be rushing off to work um, (laughs) after waking up. I think I would need a few hours to get myself together, but um, yeah, no, she she's 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 really really. And she, I, but I was looking her up on uh, Wikipedia. She's also a musician as well, Alison O'Donnell. Mm. So I have to look on uh, YouTube and see if we can see her performing. But um, yeah, she was a good. She's she was a good sort of foil, I think, for for Jimmy, who's a sort of emotional and kind of brooding and. You know what I mean? Very sort of focused and single-minded and having her there who clearly doesn't take life quite as seriously as as our boss does and also is, doesn't seem to be intimidated by him in any way. You know what I mean? And they can have a laugh together. Um, and I think every, every great detective, but a lot of the good TV shows have sidekicks mm-hmm. not that i'm saying she's a sidekick you know what i mean so i mean the, the most obvious one you think of is morrison lewis yeah um and then you think of um hattie winthrop and the guy at a lost um <laughs> like i'm joking that's not who i think of next the next one i think of genuinely is taggart and jardine um and i i think the but their relationship was always kind of because they were all like male on male yeah it, it was kind of maybe a grudging respect but you kind of knew he loved him but yeah. he would never say it whereas with with jimmy and tosh you you could tell he genuinely cares about her and mm-hmm. he genuinely is interested in her and they have a little bit of banter back and forth and it's it's nice it's a little bit of light relief and i really enjoyed that yeah i think with taggart and jardine you know sort of taggart represents a kind of an older generational approach to police mm. work and jardine uh, obviously represents the more modern approach um and you know, and how they kind of play off each other is obviously really satisfying for the viewer to watch and the relationship between them. But, um, you know, with Perez and Tosh, it's they're not like that. You know, like, all you know, Tosh is clearly older uh, and at a different stage of his career than, uh, sorry, Perez is clearly older at a different stage of his career to Tosh. There's no sort of, well, this is how we used to do it kind of thing or... Mm-hmm. Or her, yeah. her trying to show uh, some new modern approach. Like to your point earlier on, they both go online 
to look at her social to look at Hattie's social media after she, after mm. she's murdered. They use the CCTV in uh, in the town to try and locate characters and stuff, and you know after you know that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting dynamic. Um, and you know maybe one that we've not necessarily seen before in these kind of these kind of procedural police crime dramas and of course i just want to clear up to any of our fans obviously when i i say taggart and jardine that's my era you know i know <laughs> taggart was with livingston beforehand yeah, but, but not know, for long <laughs> yeah jardine's more my my wheelhouse what i would what i would think of well but. i think i think that's i think that's valid anyway because like taggart and livingston are only together for maybe like i don't know like maybe two years hey J- mm. jardine and taggart are together up until mark mcmanus passed away you know what i mean yeah. like a really long it'd be like six or seven years they're together so i think i think when you when, when i think of taggart i don't i i it's always Jardine who comes in in my mind as well yeah. as as his as his uh, sidekick, if you like. You know, is it um, is it wrong that I could probably struggle to name the actor who played Jardine? Um, um, James McPherson. That's the one. But I would struggle to name Blythe Duff's character in Tiger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a mismatch there that we've got there. Um, I guess the main cast, I mean, I don't know, who do we go with next? We've got Mark Bonner or Alexander Morton. They kind of share probably the both amount of same as screen time, really. Yeah, I think Alexander Morton's character is more integral to the story well, to this story, um, mm. you know, I mean, this like, this mystery. I, 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 I was pleased to see him because I hadn't seen yeah. him in something for a while. But I was, um, a, I was a bit. He was in looking after Jojo, which we did on the last episode of the Swally. Of course, so he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about that. But um, I was. I f- like he's he, he seemed like an old man, and he did. I was so surprised yeah. at how old he seemed in this. Um, I did double check. Um, yeah, it, it was startling the, mm. the difference compared to looking after Jojo. I mean, okay, it's nearly twenty years. Yeah, kind of kind of difference um, in timescape. But yeah, he looked like a really kind of old man in this. Uh-huh. He's he's great in it though. I mean, I like seeing Alexander Morton in things generally anyway i think he's a good actor probably he's 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 in one of my favorite uh taggarts then to come back to taggart for like the fourth or fifth thing um and it's uh it's 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 an early one that uh, livingston is is still the sidekick um and i Mm. is it the one is it the one that is is cosmo and costello in that one as well Oh Christ! You mentioned that in the last episode. <laughs> I know, I know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But it's 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 an old one. It's the one with the it's the one when the guy's taking the plaster off the wall and the and the and the decomposing body falls out of the wall on him. Um, that was is, the one you mentioned in the last episode, I think. Wasn't no, it? no, it was that one with the rat poison that I mentioned the last. Oh time yeah, Costello Sorry. and Cosmo. Yeah. But that but that's my earliest the earliest memory of Taggart watching it as a wee boy. My granny is that scene when the guy takes the plaster off the wall and the dead body falls out on him. <laughs> That was about like seven or something like that. <laughs> it's no it's no wonder I've turned out how I have. <laughs> He's wonderful though, is Joseph Wilson, and you—I I would say not for a second did I ever believe that he had killed his own mother. Mm. Um, although he is kind of a suspect, and he has got a suspicious kind of alibi of yeah. sleeping in his car, and it turns out basically he went fishing. 
to clear his head because and he'd already used up his allotted days yeah. and that's kind of great when um you know when jimmy's like you lied to me because you were fucking black i healed or <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> it's almost like for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah uh a great excuse in a way but um yeah great is a imposing kind of menacing character but you just wonder what what's going on with him and mm-hmm. yeah he, he's brilliant and it's really enjoyed seeing it's really it. good and I, I really liked I actually really liked that strand of the mystery like the Shetland bus mm. uh, you know in the, mm. about the, the the Shetlanders running stuff to Norway to the kind of Norway resistance and bringing and, and rescuing people and stuff it was really good and I was thinking to myself that would make a fucking great drama on its mm. own wouldn't it you know it'd be a great drama well, yeah because it was nice it wasn't something about the it, and that that was what was good with Shetland. there was only a couple of kind of red herrings and obvious suspects that kind of led you away so obviously there was professor paul bergelin who we'll, mm. we'll come to and and it was um ronald oh yeah, yeah, yeah um that was kind of the the other kind of obvious suspect to to lead you away but other than that you there was no one kind of in the frame and as you said about this this old kind of mystery about the the norwegian bus and and coming over it was it was kind of lovely unfolding it there was no you know it, it was all about because i wanted her to sell the croft and yeah, yeah. it was all about because i needed the money it was genuinely a kind of not crime of passion but it was about something that happened 50 60 years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. that kind of caused this and that was what i thought was nice it wasn't just something about money or oh she was sleeping with his wife or i mean it kind of was in a roundabout way but yeah uh, do you know what i mean it wasn't an obvious kind of crime that mm-hmm. you would see on some other or it wasn't about drug money or you know yeah yeah type of thing yeah okay well it was the 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 guy whose bones were found uh they you know they they sort of tried to say that he had sort of ran away with all this money that he was supposed to be taking over to the norwegian resistance um, and with a hundred thousand kroner yeah it's probably a lot of money in 19 in the 1940s and in, mm. rea- in reality uh it's been the older the elder family member who's who had stolen the money, um, and and the guy being murdered. But I think that whole that whole sort of scenario, you know, of the men from Shetland sailing back and forth to Norway during the war, would be a great TV show mm. all on its own. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe not for you, because I know you only like things that are set in the, <laughs> in the last sort of thirty years or so. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could be really good. They could be really, really good. Uh, yeah. In, sort of intrigue spy type drama you know yeah all these norwegian spies coming back and forth spend a little bit of time there and getting yeah. shipped back yeah no it could be quite interesting uh, absolutely uh, uh, absolutely astonished at how cheap beer is in shetland compared to oslo <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> so um mark bonner as duncan hunter were you surprised when mark bonner turned up in this i was because I guess this was this was before. I mean, what do you think is the thing that kind of put Mark Bonner on the map? Do you think it's Line of Duty, like the second series of Line yeah. of Duty? That's what yeah, I thought. I would say so, I think, because yeah. you know he's he's a sort of supporting uh, character. Unless he's got his, he's not quite gone the full grey as Duncan yeah. Hunter. They've still got he's still got a bit of, a bit of colour and stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I felt with that character that he's being. He's going to play a much bigger part yeah. later on. You know, I mean, they were just establishing him 
you know, and the connection between him and Jimmy Cassie. Yeah, there's something else going to come out about him. Like he's a, effectively, he's the kind of the big man of Shetland. You know, mm. they kind of keep alluding to him owning all these kind of holiday properties. And um, even the first line when Jimmy sees him is like, oh, you wanting to buy the cells to rent out his holiday homes? Yeah. And obviously wanted to buy Myra's Croft and... He's obviously made a good bit of cash and now he's running an illegal bookies just for a yeah. bit of fun because he's got something yeah. like fuck all else to do. Yeah. I, yeah, I've got a funny feeling he's going to become quite a big character in, um, in the Shetland kind of series. Not in a, a bad way, if you know what I mean. He's not going to yeah. turn out to be a big like crime lord or anything, but I think he's, uh, I think his relationship probably with Cassie and Jimmy will, you know, put way to anything bad happening although i don't know we'll find out as we watch on but uh yeah uh, it's mark bonner i'll watch mm. anything by him and he's just fucking yeah great. he's great he's great i mean you know and like i'll remember I, it's, I can never i never see him in anything i can't help but weigh him up against his character and guilt and he's i mean it's just it's fucking so it's just so good at guilt <laughs> you know I, I cannot wait for a series three of that it, yeah it's oh, He's so good. <laughs> He's just as I don't know that what I like about him it's uh, you know, his reaction to things yeah. is just, you know, as an actor, <laughs> the the way that he reacts is amazing, is brilliant and, and no, no more so than in guilt you know what I mean he's just he's so good in it I can't wait for a season but three. it's it's the facial expressions and the reaction but it's <laughs> never over the top despite yeah. it being massively over the top it never seems that way with the way he delivers it and it, oh, he's just ah oh, yeah I absolutely love Mark Bonner I mean Line of Duty he is incredible in as well and it shows he can play such a an evil kind of bastard as well but uh, yeah he's great um and I guess uh, Stephen Robertson is Sandy Wilson mm. as well. He pops up, and I think he becomes kind of the the third wheel as the the series goes on. If you know what I mean, to to Jimmy and uh, Tosh, he becomes kind of a, an integral part of the team, so to speak. But uh, yeah, nice to see him popping up. And I thought he was he was really good. A, a couple of points I did think he was maybe. I don't know, overacting or, or I don't know, it, it was a bit off, but he, he kind of came into his own a little bit, I thought, as it as it went on. What I thought he did particularly well was that I think that, um, I think the, I think they had told him, we want the audience to think that you might have had something to do with this murder. That could have been what threw me off and you know made I me mean? think he was a bit off. Yeah, yeah. So that could be it. We're not going to necessarily, we're not going to confront it in the narrative, but we need you to sort of react in certain ways that might just make the audience think for a second, does he maybe get something to do with this, you know? Was that too obvious in some parts, though, when Jimmy was like, you're not covering for anyone, are you? And he's like, no. And then he yeah. looks down to the left. Like, oh. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> <laughs> was it, like, too obvious in places? Like, you knew he didn't have anything to do with it, but did he or I, was he covering? There was a point across my mind, maybe yeah. he is covering for someone, but... Uh, I don't know, a little bit, yeah, maybe I'm thinking he was a bit too hammy in places. However, you're right, maybe that's exactly the direction he's been yeah. told to go in. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, just so a little seed of doubt here and there, you know, with the audience. And you got the real kind of um, vibes of he's a proper Shetlander mm. when he, he turned in... Um, he turned up at the police station at, when he's been given a, a few days leave and he turned up in those like drain pipe jeans and this like yeah. incredible shirt and leather jacket. Yeah. That, like, looked like he'd, 
Adidas Sambas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he turns up like a fucking young farmer. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, yeah, no, I, I thought he was very good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we've kind of discussed, she has a, she's only really in the first episode, but Gemma Chan. Scottish it's, accent. It's a, yeah. Yeah. I I was impressed with our Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah. We've heard a lot worse. And I did read that this this show, I mean, this series in particular, came into a little bit of criticism because mm. of the accents. Because, mm. again, it's kind of the Scottish thing. Uh, it's set in Scotland. Any mm. accent will do. No one will kind of pay attention. Yeah. And there are a couple of real Shetland accents in this. However, it's difficult to have a show going out nine o'clock on a Sunday on BBC One where every single cast member speaks with a Shetland accent. Yeah, for sure. You can't, I, I, as much as I would love to hear that, you can't have that. No one's going to follow it. So you have to have the mix of accents. And I, I think it, it didn't, for me, I wasn't kind of brought out of it in yeah. terms of like, oh, that's not a real accent. Or I, I, I fell along with it because all the accents sounded Scottish. And I have to say, yeah, Gemma Chan could be on the list for one of the best Scottish accents I've yeah, heard in really stuff good. we've covered in the Swally of a non-Scots person. Yeah, really good. And to your point, nobody was taken out of the story <laughs> by the accents. That's just, mm. that's just fucking people uh, creating static around something i mean i i don't know if you ever met this guy but when i was at college in aberdeen i became friends with a guy called tommy coots who came from fettler which is one of the smaller shetland islands um and he uh you know he grew up in fettler you know what i mean so when he came to aberdeen don't get me wrong it wasn't like it, it wasn't like uh tom hanks going to the city in big <laughs> do you know what i mean it wasn't like that you know he was he was <laughs> He was fine, but he was fine. You know, he was absolutely fine. But he um, he had a broad accent, which notably, whether either consciously or subconsciously, in the years that I knew him in Aberdeen, I don't know if you ever met him. He's a really, really nice fella. Um, I think so. He um, he softened it. He softened his Scottish accent as uh, not. He softened his the more sort of Shetland points of his accent he softened them down so he, he sounded a bit more northeast after a, a year or two of being in Aberdeen but like a TV show with broad Shetland accents would be would be difficult <laughs> I think yeah that's what I mean nothing against the Shetland accent I think it is beautiful but in um you can't have a, a full cast speaking no. about it, especially not at nine o'clock on BBC One on a Sunday evening. It's, yeah. it's not going to go down well. So I, I didn't have any issue in terms of any of the, the accents on this. I thought it was quite well done mm-hmm. and, and well handled. And as I say, hats off to uh, to Gemma Chan for her Scottish accent. I thought it was yeah. fantastic. I was really surprised. Um, I was really surprised at how good our Scottish accent was. Mm. Yeah. Um, so obviously the, the crime is kind of uncovered and now... It, as with all of these things, you kind of think, who's the killer? Who's the killer? Mm. Now, I, I genuinely had no idea up until a certain point. And as soon as that certain point happened, I was like, oh, well, it's obviously her. Yeah. Um, and was it the same as you? For me, it was the when telephone. Jimmy goes. Well, it was just before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as she said, yeah, well, the telephone was unplugged. I was like, oh, fuck, it was you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gave herself away yeah <laughs> um so quite well done because i i i was like okay i know it's not her father mm. um alistair because obviously unless he's fucking been faking it for all these years then honestly yeah so i know it's not him i i don't it's it's too obvious 
for it to be Ronald. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact that it's not Joseph. It's either going to turn out this amazing double cross that it's Sandy. However, I have accidentally looked at the cast list and I know that Sandy is in subsequent episodes. So <laughs> yeah. I know it's not him. So I know it's obviously someone else. Who the fuck is it? So yeah, there was only... And, and of course, we knew it wasn't um, Professor Paul Berglund because again, why? Yeah. So um, yeah, it was obvious that it was going to be Jackie. I like I, I like what Perry's what uh, Perry's does to the professor when it becomes it becomes like obvious that he's he's n- nothing more than a fucking fanny rat and um whereas, but when Perez passes him in the street at the festival yeah. he tells him that he's going to report him to the <laughs> university he's going to send a copy of his report to the university so he gets, this is his job. You, I'm sending a copy of my report to your university. So if I was you, I'd start looking for another job. I do like though the, the, the when they're discussing that and they're like so he was shagging Hattie mm. he was shagging is it Allison and he was shagging um, Ronald's wife uh, Ronald's wife Anna like how does he find the energy to pick up his trouble <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no fair play uh, but yeah I thought it was quite a good reveal as well and I'd like the it came to, I mean, that was the most action-packed part, the kind of in the fish factory. <laughs> yeah. Joseph has the knife to Ronald and fair play. He wasn't going to kill him. He's like, I'm going to mark you so you yeah. never forget. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, that's quite sensible because then you won't go down for murder. You'll yeah. go down for assault. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you've only got a few years in prison yeah. uh, as opposed to you know, the rest of your life. But the, yeah, for Jackie to then confess um, because, I mean, Jimmy had worked it all on himself, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I thought that was quite impressive. Yeah, 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 and, it's, and of course it's, she she has to go to the. It's quite it's quite a clever bit of sort of narrative. They she has to come to the fish factory because her son is mm. in is in sort of mortal peril as far as yeah. everyone's concerned because everyone thinks that uh, the Alexander Morton's gonna is gonna do him in, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it was good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good wrap up. It was satisfying. There's nothing worse than yeah. than being really invested in a, a kind of mystery uh, drama and then and not in the and the kind of payoff is underwhelming. You know, you're talking about Stone Mouth by any chance? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I mean, and this has been a huge success. This series, and I think it has done a lot for Shetland's tourist board because it's been an international success. I mean, Christ, well, the reason we've covered this is because our Canadian listener has, yeah. you know, kind of asked us to do this, mm-hmm. and you have to say Shetland looks just so oh, beautiful. Yes, yeah. but I, what I love about the the way they filmed it is, as I alluded to earlier, it also looks quite like mean and moody. And did you not feel like on some scenes you could almost feel that fucking wind battering off your face? <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's incredible to be watching a TV show and feel that. You can feel that just bitter wind. Like, especially, and I have to say, actually, that was one other thing. There was maybe a bit too much ferry action for my liking. Like, (laughs) it was a lot of off and on the ferry, and you're like, Jesus Christ, on the ferry again. Yeah, Um, I know. There was a, a lot of off and on, but... Uh, at times, I could genuinely feel that that wind just pricking away like needles on my yeah. cheeks. It was definitely there was definitely a day or half a day when it was like, right, Doogie, we're just going to film you on the ferry. We need you to sort of look out across the water, look thoughtful, look a bit broody and stuff. <laughs> we'll do a couple of dozen takes and then we'll have an early day. But I mean, Shetland. So I I, I looked up um, Shetland. Um, the 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 islands as opposed to the tv show um so it's it's 
it's the further it's the furthest northern point of the UK. Um, as we mm. met, you know, like a big part of the storyline is the Shetland bus that we spoke about a few minutes ago. So it's not far from Norway. It's not far from the Faroe Islands, uh, mm-hmm. which whose football team, uh, the Scottish national team, has a have had a difficult history with, um, <laughs> painful history with. Um, but I've I've never been there, and I remember no. I mentioned my friend Tommy earlier. So he used to obviously go home uh, for the holidays and things, and he would get the he would get the ferry from Aberdeen, and it was like a it was like a sleeper, it was like an overnight ferry um, from Aberdeen to Shetland. So I, I never I you know I just assumed that in my ignorance as a eighteen year old uh, boy that it wouldn't take that long to get there. But it was back in those days it was an overnight sleeper, and he said oh, that wow. it was often choppy as fuck, like mm. proper like seasick, and they and it was a proper ferry, like a big ferry, you know. Um, it had to be pretty big to have like berths and stuff on it for people to sleep in. But it'd be like it proper like kind of furniture sliding across the bar, sort of choppy, you know. I thought, fuck it, yeah. just sounds hellish, <laughs> you know. So, um, but I think I, I think I would like to go there. Um, I would yeah. like I would like so to would I. I would like to sort of because when I think about you know as, as a Scottish person, I, I often feel a bit guilty that I've not I've not seen enough of the country that I come from. Yeah, you know what I mean. I um, I agree with you. Um, I, I feel the same. Yeah, I definitely as you know as when I start to slow down. Uh, when I get a bit older, I'm definitely going to make it a priority to. Well, we do a spoke about maybe doing a a Swally road trip, and I think we um, we couldn't do it this year technically because um, hmm. I mean we're away on a, a big beach holiday in a few weeks. But yeah. um, maybe next year we can look into yeah. doing a nice little little tour. No, we would have to do the whole country, just a few places, and and, and see. Yeah, I'm not saying we'll go to Shetland, but maybe we could. <laughs> um, the one thing that um, there's t- there's two problems I have as well with this um, show in terms of it's set in January because obviously it has the uh, the Uphelia festival Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of daylight for January in Shetland isn't there (laughs) Um, you know Jimmy picks Cassie up from school drops her off at Duncan's house then goes back a couple hours later and it's still fucking daylight Um, I don't think so not in January (laughs) Um, second big issue I have with this film and probably the the film the, the series and the main issue I have and it's it's a shame because I say she probably is my favourite character is Tosh um Tosh, Rocky 2 is not the same film as Rocky 4. What's she on about? And I fucking, that is absolute horseshit, what she said. I could, I, I could agree. I, I, it startles me. I could agree maybe Rocky 3 is the same as Rocky 4 because you could compare, like, in Rocky 3, he fights Clubber and Mickey dies. You could confuse it with Rocky 4 where Apollo fights um, um, yeah. uh, Drago and dies. And then obviously Rocky gets his revenge on the death. And But Rocky 2 and Rocky 4 are not the same film. I, then I was like, is, it, is she thinking maybe Rocky 1 and Rocky 2? But again, they're... They are kind of similar, but not. No. That's the closest you could have because it is just one fight at the end. Yeah. And it is about, but then, I I, I don't know. And I guess the whole film is about Apollo chasing Rocky for a fight. A rematch. In a way. So I could see, I I could see Rocky and Rocky 2 being the same film, but Rocky 2 and Rocky 4, you couldn't get more monumentally apart in terms of films. No. I do not understand where that came from. I mean, That's my main gripe about Shetland. I mean, like, you, you, I mean, you could you could sort of say that um, all the Rocky films have a similar plot in the sense that 
the end of the film has Rocky fighting and, with the exception of Rocky 1, beating a seemingly unbeatable opponent. But that mm. doesn't make them the same film. I mean, Drago's white and fucking Apollo's black, <laughs> for one. Apollo's American, Drago's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> the end of two, Rocky wins the World Heavyweight Championship of the World. Four, he wins over the Russian people. Exactly. He wins, it, he wins it for America. Right, we've gone into enough rabbit holes on this episode. <laughs> We're not going into a Rocky rabbit hole. <laughs> um, okay, uh, What? anything else that you've um, thought about? I mean, I feel, have we covered enough on Shetland? Like, I think I we have. We've spoken about the cast, we've spoken about the plot. I mean, honestly, thanks, Henry. I really enjoyed this, and I, I'm going to be watching more. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only other thing, and it's, it's, it's not really to do with Shetland, and I guess it might take us on a bit of a tangent again. But oh, for I, fuck's sake. <laughs> but I can I feel you know the the end is near right so i i had a look at what other things happened in scotland in 2013 so for bbc scotland to launch a hugely successful internationally successful drama series is monumental right few other things happened that were also monumental. So first thing I've written down is Gordon Strachan was appointed as the Scotland national team manager. Okay. In 2013. Margaret Thatcher died and some people threw an impromptu street party in Glasgow <laughs> to celebrate. <laughs> which I know when um, Ding Dong the Witch is Dead got to number two in the charts as well. Yeah. Which I just which just tickled me. Um the Scottish Premier League failed to get agreement for a 12-12-18 model uh, because um, Ross County and St Mirren uh, voted against it. Um, Ross County. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nigel Farage was terrorised in Edinburgh on the Mayo, which, <laughs> which, which was spoken about before, um, seeking him to uh, ironically seek asylum in a pub in the Royal Mail. <laughs> Andy Murray, won, Andy Murray won Wimbledon and uh, oh. Ian Banks uh, passed away. Oh. So yeah. not a great year for Scotland. Not a great year okay. for Scotland, but um, at least at least uh, we launched Shetland. Um, and, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it endures um, to this day. Yeah. So shall we put Shetland through our Swally Awards? Let's do it then, Greg. What have we got first on the Swally Awards for Shetland? So the first award, as always, is the Bobby the Barman Award for the Best Pub. So, like, like all small communities, <laughs> it's only one pub. It's the, well, it's the hotel, right? Well, no, there was two, technically, oh, really? wasn't it? There was the Cayley Bar, because that's where Ronald says when he got off the ferry, he went to the Cayley Bar for uh, a drink. And that's where uh, you see Paul Berglund with... Oh, um, yeah. And... Yeah, young, and with a young... Hattie gets pissed yeah. off and sees it with her. And then there's the hotel bar. Now, however... You're kind of right, because that Cayley bar would do my fucking nutting. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to go for a drink there. That hotel bar, I'll, I'll go for a quick pint and yeah, I can see myself, chat with a barman. I can, see yeah. my, I can see myself putting a couple hours in there, chatting to people as yeah. they come in. You know what I mean? I'd go there. Yeah. Um. Okay. And next award then is the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. So I wrote three names down here oh. because I was I, I'm, I'm veering in one direction. How, how many did you was were you more decisive than I? Uh, I, I was more decisive because I wrote two names down. Right. Um, so, but I, I also more was, decisive. <laughs> I also was veering very much in one direction, um, and the direction I was veering in was Alexander Morton. Yeah, me too. So I'd written down Henschel because he is quite prolific mm. in Scottish. Productions yep. and I've written down Bonner as well, but, but I yeah. put, I put a, I, yeah. 
question mark next to next to Bonner. Um, I had Morton and Bonner as my two, but Morton was definitely my first choice. Um, so the next two, well, actually the next three awards, um, you know, it's the BBC, it's BBC One um, on a mm-hmm. Sunday evening at prime time. The uh, Jake McQuillan Urtiza Award, no overt violence, really. I mean, I suppose R- Ronald gets a doing, but... Uh, Which you don't see. Yeah. Um, but the, the Tizu Award is very much... And I, I've used this excuse before on the Swally. It's kind of almost like a retribution kind of award. Um, so I gave it to what you previously mentioned was Jimmy telling Paul Berglund that he'd be sending yeah. the university a copy of his report and he should start looking for a new job. <laughs> I thought that was the most teasoot moment of yeah, yeah. The, the series, yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay, the next award then is definitely not being awarded the Hugh McGregor Award for Gratuitous Nudity. No, there's no nudity in Shetland. No. It's not allowed. Equally, uh, the Francis Begbie Award for uh, Gratuitous Swearing. There's nothing really gratuitous. There's a couple of bloodies and buggers and shits and stuff, but... Your eyes look like piss holes in the snow. Yeah. Is all I had. There was nothing else. And for being this, like, nine o'clock BBC Friday night, you would think um, there might be the odd little F-bomb, but no. There's nothing, no, no. Um, hardly anything. Nope, they know that those points of view letter writers are uh, are <laughs> tuning in. Got to keep them sweet. <laughs> okay, uh, so archetypal Scottish moment. What did you go for here? Um, I went for a wee half bottle every because <laughs> there seems to be a wee half bottle almost everywhere when he um, goes to uh, to Duncan's um, house. Is yeah. a wee half bottle, and then. Ronald uh, he's literally let out of jail and told like lay off the drink next yeah. thing you see him he's got his half bottle just <laughs> swigging away uh, so just the fact that everyone's got a wee half bottle stashed yeah. away somewhere that's was good. my archetypal Scottish moment that's a Hope good one well even like Mima in that very first scene when we see her and she's going through her photographs she's got like a bottle of whiskey on the table and a glass oh, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean and uh, there is something quite pleasurable with just having like a bottle of something and sort of sipping away at it but I, but I know from I know from bitter experiences so that's how dreadful headaches that's how dreadful headaches are made the next day um so for my archetypal Scottish moment I went for I, I put a question mark beside it ferry to work <laughs> don't know anywhere else in the UK where you have to get a ferry to go to your work every day um Amsterdam is a ferry that crosses them from here to uh, Nord and yeah okay. so a lot of people get a, a lot of people live in Nord where it's cheaper to live yeah. and we'll get the ferry across to Amsterdam to work every day right okay Um. alright well yours is better than me <laughs> and um and the last one then, the Sean Connery Award for who who won Shetland? Um, I put Shetland for the tourism yep. um, that they've received and the exposure that they've received. But in all seriousness, um, I want to give a massive shout out to Alison O'Donnell. And I mm-hmm. think she probably will, in the long run, have won this. If, mm. if we cover more series, um, yeah. I think we'll probably find... But I gave it to Doogie Henshaw. It says, yeah, it says show, isn't it? It says show, and yeah. he's fantastic in it. He's brilliant. There's no flaws in the the kind of character or the the actor. I was invested. I I really liked Jimmy Perez. Really liked the character of him. And but it's almost that like I want to watch more because I want to see the cracks develop. Because yeah. I'm sure there's going to be cracks developing. Um. So yeah, I gave it to Dougie Angel. Yeah. What about yourself? 
Yeah, I'm the same as you. I, but I've written down Henschel, but I've also written down island landscapes um, because the hmm. scene, because this the scenery uh, sort of yeah. along the same Beautiful. lines, along the same lines as you mentioned there. The, uh, the scenery is just amazing. But yeah, I mean Henschel, and he's 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 such a good leading man. Um, mm. I think I think we'll see him. And maybe I think he'll I, I, I think he'll do a couple of sort of mini series um as a lead actor, probably next and stuff. Maybe we'll see him in a movie. Um if he stays off Twitter he will. Well yeah, if he doesn't stop like <laughs> stop trying to fucking chuck D the system. Um yeah. No, he but he's you know, he's he's such a good he's such a good leading man and uh, he um like you know, we, we sort of spoke about him at length, but yeah, he's he's it's definitely his gig, well and truly. So wonderful. Yeah. Okay, well that was Shetland. So Greg, are you going to take us back to the mainland on the next episode of the Swally or are we going further afield? What what is your choice on the next episode? Right, so we're staying in Scotland, but we're we're very much on the mainland as far as I can see. So I've not watched this yet. Um and we're in the countryside, I think. So when a few weeks ago uh, I wrote a little essay for the website about Scottish horror and when I was doing my research I came across this film and I read the synopsis of it and I thought I thought that sounds right up uh, my street and I think Nicky will like it too. So I have chosen also from the year 2013 the low budget horror film directed by Laurie Brewster, Lord of Tears um, mm-hmm. which you can see on YouTube. I will send you the link. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I I checked I checked that out first before I picked it. My, <laughs> my first panic is always where can I find this? Okay, yeah, great. yeah, yeah, me too. And but I I, I found out where it was before I uh, before I decided to do it. So uh, so yeah, low budget Scottish horror. Although it's low budget, it does have legendary uh, English character actor David Schofield in it, who you mm. may recognise from like Get Carter and uh, Gladiator, among hundreds and hundreds of other things um so yeah wonderful lord of tears lord of tears so it's available on youtube if you want to go and listen to it before we review it yeah next episode you might want to you may want to watch it before we review it but you could just listen to it if you wanted to but you could listen to it actually yeah (laughs) where am i going with there just listen to it and then watch it and then yeah see what you think about it yeah thanks greg much appreciated um okay (laughs) right i'll look forward to watching that for our next episode then thank you Um, okay Uh, well thank you very much for listening everyone if you would like to follow us on social media you can give us a follow on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod or you can follow us on Twitter at Swally Pod or if you have seen anything that you would like us to review or if you have seen any news stories you'd like us to cover or hey if you just want to get in touch and say hello then please give us a little email on cultureswally at gmail.com and Greg we have a lovely website as well don't we? We do uh, you can find us at cultureswally.com come and have a come and have a look uh, let us know what you think let us know uh, like I mentioned before there's a BSA about Scottish horror let us know your favourite Scottish horror films if we if there's any that we've not seen um, maybe we'll keep them for the Halloween special in October and give you a mention on the podcast lovely stuff alright well thank you very much Greg are you getting up for uh, are you getting up are you getting ready for uh, 
all hilly up. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going out tonight. Well, I've I've, so, I've, I've, I've agreed to go and meet uh, my friend for a few pints because he's just finished doing dry January. Um, you know, so it's I know twenty eighth of January. Yeah, but he did say at the beginning, I'm going to do a dry January up until payday. Um, so ah, fair, it's fair enough. Um, so it's skint January. He was doing then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> pay, pay, pay for Christmas January. Uh, we'll call it. Um, so I said I'd go meet him for a few pints. Uh, what are your plans for the rest of the day? I'm off to watch El Sacchio. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Now and see who loses. And then uh, tonight. Um, well, I'll watch it tomorrow. I have no shame at all, listeners. I don't care. I'm a 40, well, I'll be 42 next month, and I still love the grappling, so I'm going to be watching the Royal Rumble tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. enjoy that, and until next time. Yeah, thanks very much, Greg. All right, until next time, see you later. See you later. You know your problem? You think it's perfect here. I'm going to protect it at all costs. And a wee bit more sunshine and you turn any bennet on. I wish. Nah, you know, I just think most people here don't lock their doors and I'd like it to stay that way. Oh, Jimmy, everything changes. Aye. <sighs>